Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Remembering God's Miracles in Our Lives. Remembering God's Miracles in Our Lives, Joshua chapter 4. Now before that, I'm going to talk to you about <laughs> a miracle in my life. Uh, if you've ever been to our house, you know that I'm into rocks. All right? I'm into rocks. You know that. Not just any old rocks. I'm into fossil rocks. I love fossils, right? It started when I was a kid because on the farm I grew up on, it was at one point under Lake Ontario. And as the lake receded, it left all these fossil rocks and we could break them open. You could always tell the ones that had little holes in them. You could break them open and find all kinds of shells and different things. So that, I just always have loved fossils. There was fossils everywhere on the farm. So I'm always checking out rocks. It's just kind of like a habit from a kid, from the time I was a kid. And years ago, I was at the creek with the kids at our by our house, that creek behind our house. I was walking in there, and I started finding fossils. And uh, not just fossils, but found dinosaur footprints. And if you've ever been at the Sobrae Township building, you see the display they set up with all the different, foot, some, of the, some of the footprints I found are at the Children's Museum in New Hope. They have some of them there. Uh, but now I'm hooked. Now I'm hooked. As soon as I found dinosaur footprints, I'm hooked. I, Kim says I'm obsessed. Uh, so uh, even when I take my prayer walks early in the morning, I just can't help it. I'm walking, praying, and I just kind of veer into the creek, you know, walk along. Ooh, I can pray by the creek, you know, it doesn't matter. But I'm always looking, looking, looking. And, uh, one, and one day, I'll never forget it, when I found a really good one. I was, uh, the kids were at the beach. Grandpa and Grandma took them to the beach. And it was just Kim and I home. And I woke up early in the morning. <laughs> I could have slept in, but I woke up because I started thinking about fossils. So I, I went out to the creek. The kids aren't home. I'm always up. Six in the morning, 5.36, I get down there. And, um, and I start looking and I start finding stuff and I didn't go prepared. I was, you know, I, I was in the creek and the mud and I'm pulling up rocks and I didn't have anything to brush them off. I didn't bring my brush so I'm using my shirt brushing them off. And I, and uh, finally I heard the, what sounded like the, the mail being delivered because I could hear the road and I could hear the guy stopping and, you know, and I'm like, mail? The mailman wouldn't come this early. He doesn't come till noon. You know, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> And I'm like, I come out, and there's a mailman. And, and so I'm like, I better tell Kim I'm alive because she's going to be sending policemen looking for my body, right? Because I just disappeared, you know? And, you know. So I went to the neighbors, and I knocked, and, and she, was, <gasps> she was like shocked because I had mud all over, you know? And I put on my shirt again. It was all muddy, muddy, muddy. Yeah. And she's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm looking for fossils. Could you just call Kim and tell her I'm alive? And so she was like laughing, laughing. Kim wasn't laughing. But anyway, uh, but whenever I find a promising rock, I've got to have it. Because you don't always can, can always tell it's a fossil or a footprint or something, but but you see signs of it. And you got to take it home, and clean it up, and let it dry, and do you know all kinds of stuff to it. But I gotta have it. I gotta have it. And some I can carry back by myself. I find a rock that's small enough, and I'll carry it the mile back to the house. And I'll be walking back early in the morning and. Thankfully, there aren't a lot of people out at that time. But the few that are out walking regularly will see me and say, what did you find this time? You know, they think it's hilarious. I'm carrying rocks back to the house, you know, at 6 in the morning. And, and uh, sometimes I just roll them up to the curb, and then I go get the car. And, and uh, I come back with the car, and I get them into the car because they're too big. Um, some are really heavy, and so I need help. So I'll get one of the kids, Matthew, one of the boys. I'll, we'll, I'll take a board, and, and we'll 
roll it onto the board, and we'll carry it out on the board up to the, to the, you know, the house or to the car. But some are really, really heavy. And, and then I need help. And sometimes, I used to get neighbors, but Kim forbid me to ever ask the neighbors to help with it again. But, so I'll get the kids, and I'll, the, the kids will be there with a gang of their friends, and my kids are already laughing because they remember these happening many times. And I'll, there'll be five or six kids, and I'll say, guys, get in the car, I need help getting a fossil. So they all pile into the car. I have to threaten them or bribe them, one or the other. And, and so we get in, and, and they're really heavy rocks, and so we get, we, I get into, uh, there's a whole system. I have a big long, plastic toboggan and we roll we all get to the creek we roll the rock onto the wagon then we slide it out of the creek then I have a dolly we put it get it onto the dolly then we pull it up to the road and then they all sit in the back I open up the trunk they all sit in the back and they hang on to the the dolly and I drive home real slowly and you, you, you'll see the rocks they're huge rocks at my house you, and, and everybody's like shocked that you'd, you'd be shocked at the size and weight of some of the rocks I have when people say how did the Egyptians build the pyramids I know how. I know how. Sleds and dollies and lots of kids. You can move any size rock you want to move. I, I know how. And Kim is always so excited when I, she sees me <laughs> coming with another, driving up. And you should see some of the videos. Zoe had a good one, but she deleted it. But it was going around and around of us doing Zoe. A lot of kids here have helped me. You know, my kids and their friends. It, it's pretty hilarious. But uh, but Kim was always so excited. She says, oh, good, another big rock. Here, put that one right here. I don't, I'm sick of that bush, and I don't need those flowers anymore. Put it right there. She's always so excited. Except for my favorite ones, uh, the, the ones that I can actually lift, a lot of those end up in the house, in my office. If you ever been in my office, you'll see these big rocks because um, I put them there to keep them safe because uh, the ones that are really good, I don't want them to be stolen. And Kim's like, who's going to steal a rock? I go, they're not rock, they're fossils, all right? Now, I can remember where I found each one of them, and I remember the kids, somebody, a lot of you guys were helping me. I remember getting each of these rocks. I remember every one of them because I, I love these rocks. But we're going to look at a rock story in the Bible now. We're going to look at a rock story in the book of Joshua, which is all about remembering what God has done in our life. Because as we go into trials, as we go into hard times, it's very, very important as we enter a new trial or a new difficult time remembering God's mercy and grace in the past that he's going to get us through this again somehow. His mercy and grace is going to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing each of us here. And I know we've been through many trials, and we just pray for your mercy and grace now to touch our hearts through your word and to encourage us to persevere in the spiritual battles that we're fighting, in the trials that we're going through, to persevere follow in our faith following Christ. We pray for your mercy and grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to read the chapter, Joshua 4. I'm going to read it because it's all together here. We'll spend a couple weeks on it, but uh, starting with verse 1. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among you, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where, I, where you stay tonight. 
So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of Israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took the twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who had carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed the Jordan, the Ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites, as Moses had directed them. About 40,000 armed for battle crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And the priests came up out of the, out of the river, carrying the ark of the covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran at flood stage as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future when your descendants ask their fathers, What do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea. When he dried it up before us until we had crossed over, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So, wow, what a story, huh? I want to focus on the 12 stones today. And, and so they command, God commands and Joshua commands them to pick 12 men to carry 12 stones from the middle of the river they probably picked 12 strongest guys, right? You know, they're probably, they're probably turned into a competition. Who's going to get the biggest stone? You can just imagine these guys, you know, 12 tribes, the competition. And they, they, the 12 guys, uh, I can just see them trying to who, who get the biggest stones. And they carry them to the camping spot where they set up a monument of stones, which is called a cairn. Karen. Now, you know why it's called Karen University. It's a pile of rocks, and they got that from the Bible. Every time they put, put up stones of remembrance, now you know why they have that weird name, okay? But we won't go there. Uh, so, the 12 stones are a memento. The 12 stones are a memento, and we all need mementos, don't we? Because it's so easy to forget God's miracles. Remember the disciples. 
5,000 people. Where are we going to feed these people? How are we going to feed these people? Jesus supplies it to the, the bread and the fish, feeds all those people. It's a miracle. Short time later, just a short couple chapters later, what happens? 4,000 people. And what do the disciples do? Well, they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, remember how you fed those 5,000? We're going to need you to do it again because we know you can do it. It's no big deal. Right? No. They came to him and said, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? They panicked again. Panic button. Right? Panicked again. And we do the same thing, don't we? God delivers us over and over in our life. He, or he brings us through trial after trial. And he brings us through it. But still, when we hit that crisis, what do we do? Panic button. You know, we hit the panic button. You know, we, we, we freak out. We lose it. Money is tight. We get upset all over again, even though he's always met our needs. The big test that's coming up. We freak out even though he's helped us do our best in the past. The work pressures that are hitting us, same thing. We, we forget how he brought us through that trial or that temptation that's so strong. We forget how God delivered us the last time. Our health gets hit really hard. And, and we just need to remember, each time we need to remember the mementos. That's why mementos are very, very important. We need reminders of God's salvation. We need reminders of how God protected us and brought us through. And even though we went through a horrendous time, he was there to hold our hand, to take us through it. We need those mementos. When someone becomes a Christian, I always tell them, write in your Bible, right in the front of your Bible, get them a Bible, write in the front of the Bible the date you put your faith in Jesus and you gave your life to Jesus. Write that right in the Bible. So that's a memento that they can always look back and they start to have doubts. Or they start to struggle in their faith. That's something they can always look back and say, that's the, the day I said, Jesus, please forgive my sin. Please, I turn away from that sin. Please forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus. I gave my life to him. That's very important. Mar- marriages, a lot of marriages. We go through up and down times, roller coaster times. That's why that wedding ring, a lot of us, the memento is the wedding ring to remind us that no, I promised God, and, and he's brought us through the past crisis. We're still married. That's, that's, that's memento. Maybe it's, a, a, maybe it's a person. A person is your memento, that God has reminded you of God's faithfulness in, in, in your life. We're, we, Kim and I, we live with a miracle baby right now. Every day she's a memento to us of God's faithfulness. Maybe it's a rock that you have. <laughs> Set up a rock somewhere. Maybe you paint something on the rock. You write something on it. Maybe it's a journal that you keep, that you go back and you reread the journal, what God has done in your life. Maybe it's a picture, a picture of a reminder. Maybe you're in AA and you have that little coin. People show them to me all the time. Look, 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 look what I'm up to. Look what I'm up to. Maybe it's that coin you keep in your pocket. Maybe it's a cross. That you have. Maybe it's a tattoo that you, you have. Not saying anything. Uh, maybe it's a, I know a lot of you are mad about my kids getting tattoos, but hey, they're getting cross tattoos. Huh? Anyway, uh, maybe, my office has, ta- has, not tattoos, has mementos all over the place. You know, I had to pour out the orange Fanta. Remember the orange Fanta of India story that almost killed me? You know, I had to pour that out. I was, af- I, I was afraid of that one. But anyway, uh, the yellow duck I kept at one of the little kids from the inner city. I talked about the inner city. I have a little duck in my office. One of those kids gave that to me as a, a going away present. Uh, kids' pictures and, and stuff that they've done. I got them all over the office. 
I bet, uh, bet Alana's got a, a, a thousand point picture going to be all over their house, right? That's a memento. That's a remembering something special that happened and that God rem- reminds us that how God accomplished something. Those mementos, uh, you know, I got a puffer fish <laughs> in my office. You say, why? Well, I, I think it's cool, but, but it reminds you, puffer fish puff up when they get afraid. You know, they puff up, and, and uh, that's a reminder that when, I, when anything good happens, you know, I can puff up too. That's why I keep it. You know, it's a pride reminder, you know? And, and also, well, there's a lot of the other parts to that. But anyway, but those mementos are so important. Do we remember? Do we have something in our life? We, we need reminders in our life of special things God has done in our lives. Do you remember? Do you re- it's very important for our faith in the hard times and in the trials that God will bring us through them again. It's important to have mementos. Mementos, very, very important. Now back to Joshua chapter 4. The 12 stones are a memorial for the 12 tribes, right, that they pass through this river of death and judgment. Now remember, we talked about this last week, that it's also a picture of what Jesus Christ has done for us, going through that Jordan. Joshua taking them to Jordan, Jesus taking us through our Jordan, the river of judgment. It's a picture of what Jesus has done for us. And we talked about how at his baptism, when Jesus went out to John and he went under the water, he came back out again, that was a picture, a prophetic picture of Jesus' death under the water, and resurrection, coming back out again. That was a picture of that. And it showed his victory over death, and not only his, but our victory over sin and over death. And we saw, uh, saw how last week, Jesus was baptized at that very spot. Remember we talked about that? We said that it was called Beth Arba, the place of the crossing, and how we looked at John 1 and Matthew 3, and how Jesus was baptized in that same exact spot. It was, it was a per- fulfilling the, the prophecy, the prophetic prophecy. We talked about all that. Uh, Matthew, I want to just look at Matthew 3, 7 to 10, because there's another really interesting point to this. In Matthew 3, John the Baptist, just before Jesus' baptism, talked about what was happening. Uh, Jesus' baptism was starting with verse 13, but if you back up a few verses, listen to what John, he's at that same spot, the place of the crossing, and listen to what he said. But when he saw many of the Pharisees And Sadducees, coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. These stones. What stones is he talking about? The 12 stones. He's talking about cloning. He said, if you guys don't follow God, God can clone these stones and and come up with 12 new tribes. But he's referring to the 12 stones that are still piled at the place of the crossing. That's what he's talking about. And he stresses repentance. Very, very important. Repentance means literally means you're walking one way, you turn around and you walk the other way. That's what repentance means, and repentance is very, very important. You cannot become a Christian until you repent. 
There has to be a, a, a turning away from sin, saying, God, please forgive my sin because I'm repenting. I'm turning away from that old life and putting my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus through that river. Very, very important. So we'll come back to that a little bit later. So another interesting, isn't that wild that John the Baptist, these stones, isn't that interesting? I mean, Old Testament, New Testament connection. Here's another really interesting one. But some of you have never connected this dot. 2 Kings 2, 2 Kings 2, verses, start with verse 4. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So he went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. They're in Jericho, to the Jordan, right? And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire of, of horses and a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Wow. Now remember, Elijah is a type of Jesus Christ. Elijah means my father is Jehovah. Who is Jesus? The Son of God. Elisha is also a type of Christ. It means my father is salvation. And if you put the two of them together, if you take Elijah and Elisha and you put them together and you study their lives and their miracles, they are a prophetic picture of Jesus Christ. We might just go to that one after Joshua. I'm, I'm still praying about that. But we see that here that they crossed the Jordan in the same spot that Joshua led the people. Right in front of Jericho, he led them across the same spot, and that's the same spot that that's the same spot that Jesus was baptized. The same exact spot. Amazing, isn't it? The, 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 the picture. And then right after they crossed the river, right after Elijah, Elisha crossed the river, the chariots of fire come on and take them up. And what's that a picture of? What happened? Yeah, the ascension. Right after, right. Right after Jesus resurrected from the dead, 40 days later, he's with his servants, just like Elijah's with his servant, Elisha. And just like Elisha took Elijah's place, the apostles were called to represent Christ on earth. And as soon as, as, soon as that happened, Jesus was ascended up into heaven. It's all prophetic picture. Prophetic picture. Wild, wild, wild. The Bible is connected. Connect the dots. Wild stuff. Now back to Joshua. The stones were to be a memorial, and they were to help the Israelites remember how God had taken them across in a miraculous way. And God has given us two memorials, two memorials also to help us remember how Jesus delivered us from our Jordan, from judgment. And how we have followed, just like the Israelites followed Joshua through that river, how we have followed Jesus by faith through the river of judgment, through the river of sin, through the river of death, to a new life of resurrection power in Jesus Christ. 
The first memorial he's given us is baptism, which is why I showed the video. Now you know why I showed the video earlier. Uh, and I just, I love to watch the baptism. I just get just teary-eyed watching them every time. Because I remember each baptism and the, the lives that were touched and the people saved. And many of us, uh, many of us were baptized as children, as babies by our parents, but that's really a dedicating, that's our parents dedicating us. There's nothing wrong with that, but the Bible teaches the need to also be baptized as, as a, a believer. Very, very important. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said all, and I hope you have this memorized. If you don't memorize, this is really, really important. The Great Commission for today. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So we see that baptism is very, very important. Um, and, and baptism is is. In, in the New Testament is always believer and it's underwater, going underwater. Going underwater is a vital part of baptism. Very, very important part because that's what it symbolizes. In Romans 6, 3 to 4, it says this. In Romans 6, Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And if you look at Romans 6, you see the whole picture. Is that's, why, that's why we're baptized. Just as Jesus died and went, just as he was baptized and came out again, just as he died and was buried and came back from the dead, when we are baptized, we go under the water. We're identifying with the death of Christ. We come out again. We're identifying with his resurrection. It's a prophetic, it's a, it's a, it's a filling, it's that the prophetic picture of what Jesus did for us, of our own death, our resurrection, and our new life in Christ. Now, does that mean if you haven't been baptized as a, uh, an adult believer that you're not a Christian? No. You were saved by faith. It has, it has nothing to do with salvation. And it doesn't mean you're second class that it's in. We're not like, oh, why haven't you been baptized? A lot of you have, haven't been, and that's okay. But I will say this, you're missing out on something awesome. All right. Even if you even if you've been baptized as a baby, still get baptized because you're missing out on something awesome. You saw the video that the Holy Spirit moves in a powerful way. I can't describe describe it. I can't explain it. I'm just telling you it happens. A lot of people say to me, "I wish I could be baptized again." It was so awesome. It's awesome. Uh, and and it, there's, the Holy Spirit touches in a special way. And what's so nice about where we are, New Hope, the river's right there. It's, you know, I was baptized in a baptismal tank in church and stuff, but, but the river is the river. It's like the Jordan River. It feels like it, doesn't it? It's awesome. And we could baptize anytime as long as it's warm. Don't ask me now. But, uh, but, but we also have a special baptism in August. It's always during the car show when we can't use the school. Second Sunday of August, we always have a, the big one. But, but the youth group, we do have different ones with the youth groups and stuff. But I just want to really encourage you, if you've never been baptized as a believer, to really pray about that because it's just an awesome experience. Don't, we don't look down on nothing like that, but it's just so moving and touching. Uh, second memorial, which I'm guessing you're already guessing from today, the second memorial that he's left us with is communion, the Lord's Supper. And this is when we remember Jesus Christ's death. 
that he went into that river to make a way for us by his sacrifice. His sacrifice was the cross. The cross took us across the river. I think of it this way. You've probably seen these pictures before where, where we're standing here and, and God's here and there's this giant chasm between us and we cannot get over that. It's impossible to get past, to get to God. But the cross lays across over that and we walk the cross to God. And that's a picture of what happened that Jesus made a way for us by his death. He paid for our sins. He took our place. He paid God's holiness and justice. We've talked about that many times. And he made a way for us to go across through his sacrifice. Now remember, the ark, the ark which the priest held in the middle of the river, that's what opened the way, that's what made the way across. The ark is a picture of the work of Jesus Christ, what he came to do for us. And we already saw that in the ark was, the first thing we saw was the law. All right, remember the Ten Commandments were put in there. The law was put in, and just like Jesus kept the law, he never sinned, he kept it perfectly. But something else was kept in the law. I'm sorry, something else was kept in along with the law in the ark. Very, very important piece here. In Exodus 16.33, we get a, a hint of what it's going to be. It says, So Moses said to Aaron, Take a jar and put an omer of manna in it, then place it before the Lord to be kept for the generations to come. We go ahead to Hebrews chapter 9. And in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 3 to 4, it says this. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. This Ark contained the gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Now we see what was in, the three things that were in. We already talked about the law being there, the Ten Commandments. Aaron's staff, uh, the high priest's staff, Jesus the great high priest, both things. And then also, very important, the gold jar of manna. We're going to connect all this to communion in just a minute. The gold jar of manna. Manna. Why is manna such an important part of the work of Christ? Well, let's look at John chapter 6. In John chapter 6. He tells us, John chapter 6, verse 32, he says, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus is the bread. He's, he's the bread. Jesus is. Man is a picture of Jesus Christ. And when we take communion, we drink, we drink the wine or the grape juice. We use grape juice here. That represents the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed to wash away our sins. But the bread is a memorial also. It's a, a, a picture of his body that he gave in our place. And eating the bread, when we eat the bread, as you see from John chapter 6 here, 
When we eat the bread, it's a picture and a reminder of how we put our faith in Jesus. And when we put our faith in Jesus, that's the the fulfillment of eating the bread. When we put our faith in Jesus, that's when we receive the bread of life. That's when we receive our new life. That's the work of the ark. He kept the law. He was the high priest. He is the high priest. The ultimate high priest. And he's the bread from, the bread from heaven. The bread of life that we have to eat, that we have to put our faith in. And as we get ready to com- for communion right now, are we ready? Have you ever put your faith? Have you ever eaten the bread of life? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you ever taken that step of faith? Have you repented, just as John said in, in, in uh, Matthew 3, 8, when he said, have you ever repented, he says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Has there ever been a time we repented and put our faith? It's very vital to repent because that's the picture of a surrendered life. We surrender our life to God. We put our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Have you ever taken that step of faith? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? And if you have done that, or if you do that today, I hope everybody does it, or has done it, if you do that, you can now commune with God as your Father any time, any day, any time of the day, every day, any time of the day, any time, any second. And this communion is just a reminder. It's just a reminder that we can commune with God anytime and he wants to commune with us. And, and that's what it's a reminder. Communion is a reminder that God wants to be close to us. But it's very important to keep the relationship clean. We need to confess the sins in our life that hurt our fellowship. Just like if, you, if you're married and you do something against your spouse, you do something wrong... It hurts the, the fellowship. you got to say sorry. Ladies have to say sorry once. Guys have to say about a hundred times, right? You know, you know the rules. But, but, but with God, it's just one time. One time. And, and that's what keep. But until you do that, there's a wall between you, right? There's a wall between. It has to be made clean. And that's the picture of the fellowship that, we ha- that God wants to keep with us. There's, there's something in our life that goes against what God's perfect purpose perfect will for us. It goes against that. God, we have to clean it up. We have to make it right. That's what communion is all about. It's a time of making it right. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, talking about communion, listen to what it says here, starting with verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will, be not, so that we will not be condemned with the world. Very important part of communion is making things right with God, confessing things, surrendering things, taking the time to do that. Very, very important. And it's it's also a time to remember God's mercy and grace, how he will forgive us, how he has forgiven us, what he's delivered us from. It's a time to remember that. And maybe it's a time for us to set up a rock in our life, a a, a memento. What What would help us remember what God has done? 
What could we write on that rock or, or a picture we could put up or a list that we could make or, or whatever it is? What, think, and uh, as we're praying today day, with communion, what in my life could be a great memento? Maybe it's putting a picture on our phone. Maybe it's, you know, computer screen. Whatever it is that would remind us of God's mercy and grace. A reminder of what God has done in our life. His amazing love. A reminder to stay connected. To stay connected. It's not a chore to stay connected with God. It's an awesome privilege to to stay connected to his love. Communion. We have the the bread and and the little cups here. It represents the body and blood of Jesus as we've already talked about. In a few moments, we'll just have some worship music playing, and you can come up and and take it when you feel led to. You can go back to your seat and take it alone. You can take it with your family, you can with your friends. However, there's no right or wrong way, but the main thing is connecting with God during this time. But there's two reasons why we shouldn't take it. The first is if we're not ready, ready to give our life to Jesus yet. We've never become a Christian. Wait. Wait for that time to come. But I hope it happens today. But if you're not ready, it's okay. We don't look around. We're not videotaping. We don't know who's taking communion. This is between you and God. Maybe you're still on that faith journey and you need more time to wrestle in prayer and and wrestle with repentance and whatever it is. That's okay. But this could be the day you do that. The second reason, if there's something in our life, you saw the verse we already looked at, something in our life that we're not willing to surrender. Now, notice I didn't say that we have sin because we all sin. We struggle, right? But we have to be willing to take that sin before God and say, God, please forgive me. Please help me. I need your mercy and grace to to fight this battle. And maybe it's so strong you need to say, God, I'll go talk to somebody. I'll go talk to Pastor Chuck Kim. I'll talk to a counselor. I'll talk to another brother, Christian, sister, brother, sister in Christ. I'm going to talk to someone. I'm going to get help on this. I'm not going to keep on falling to the same old thing. Whatever, Whatever it takes, you're willing to do that. But I hope everybody here does put their faith in Christ and does surrender, whatever it takes, because we want to all commune and want to be close to God. But it's between you and God. 1 Corinthians 11, backing up a couple verses, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never followed Joshua through the river of judgment and death. But you realize today that God has made a way across that river through the cross of Jesus Christ. There's only one way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Are you ready to take that step of faith? You can put your faith in Jesus right now. Right where you're sitting, you can pray the prayer of faith in your heart to God. God, please forgive me. 
I repent of my sin, anything I've done wrong, anything against your holy law, against your purpose for my life. I repent and ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I believe he died on that cross for me. He rose again from the dead for me. And I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I surrender my life to him. I'm going to follow Jesus. Forgiveness, faith, and following. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, you have just crossed over the river. Just like the Israelites, you have crossed the river. You have followed Joshua through the river. You have entered a brand new life in Jesus Christ. It's going to be an adventure. There's going to be battles. But you're going to know purpose and peace that you never thought was possible through Jesus. And you can now commune anytime. This morning you can take communion, but you can commune, you can connect with God and talk to him anytime about anything. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. A friend or a family member maybe here. Tell me. Tell me on the way out, fill out the card, text me, email me, call me. Let, let somebody know so that we can be excited and encourage you in your new life in Christ. For the rest of us, let's take this time of praying to just really surrender what needs to be surrendered so that we can really commune with him. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way Whatever you need us to surrender, we would surrender it. So that we could be close to you and really commune with you. And Father, I pray that this would also be a time to remember, no matter what we're going through, no matter what our pain is, no matter what our struggle is, Lord, to remember that you are always there. You're there to take us through every flooded river, through every spiritual battle. That your, your mercy and grace is there. I pray that in Jesus' name.